Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain speaking. My name is Theo, and you're listening to Between Two Trains, the train station that brings you great entrepreneurs twice a month. Your hosts are Eric Moss and Van Pappas. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another Between Two Trains. I'm Van, your friendly financial planner. And I'm Eric, your better business banker. And we are here with Pat and Tracy from Full Bro Heating and Air. And um, I have to tell our listeners, uh, we had a little bit of a screw up and we, uh, we had to record this whole thing over again. So I want to thank from the beginning, Pat and Tracy for sitting through this for a second time. But let's talk for a second about what Full Bro Heating and Air are. Uh, Pat, this is a a small independent uh, heating and air company that was located in Chambly, correct? Yes. And, and you yeah. were you were in Chambly for 20, 30 years, and you've moved outside of Chambly now to Norcross. Yes. So what, what precipitated that move? We were leasing the building in Chambly for all those years and had an opportunity to purchase our own building. So that's... What would you say... Pat and Tracy, you know, leading up to the opportunity to buy and move, it's something that a lot of business owners contemplate, you know, especially dealing with rents, dealing with an existing landlord, dealing with other tenants nearby, you know, who you may share a building or cohabitate cohabitate in some space or capacity. What what are some things that you consider that, that maybe some other listeners and business owners maybe thinking about as well well for us finding the building that was within our budget and would work for the building and making sure that other businesses around us was compatible with what we do here so is this is this this warehouse space or is this uh, you know like do you need a lot of warehouse space for your type of business oh yes we use a pretty good bit of warehouse we uh, keeping the AC units, some AC units in stock and the parts for all the AC units, different manufacturers and in the sheet metal too. And we have our own sheet metal shop here that fabricate sheet metal with. So the warehouse part of our, is the biggest part of our building here. So I believe uh, we talked about before you, you are, you do both residential and commercial um, it's about an even mix, right, between residential and commercial. Um, what what would you say as far as, you know, going into a, a new uh, resident, you know, the, a new customer? Are you, are you, do you like the residential side better, the commercial side better? Maybe also which one is more profitable for you? Uh I like both residential and commercial. I, I don't have a preference over either one of them. Uh, dollar for dollar, there's more money in the residential market than there is in the commercial really? market. But the commercial, well, the commercial is bigger, bigger dollars, but it's less profit in the jobs. Now, when you go into the commercial, you're doing, you're not just bringing in the, the air conditioning unit or the, the furnace unit. Are you laying the duct work and all of that for new construction? Yes. Yeah. We, the commercial side, we do new construction. So 
we put everything in all the ductwork and all the AC units and the fans and we do a lot of the custom kitchens so we'll put in all the kitchen exhaust and all that in form. So I've got a here's a question for you. I've got a rental property and it's got a a basement, a full length basement that the ceiling is not finished. So you see all the duct work up in the ceiling. You know, it's 10 plus foot ceiling, 12 foot ceilings. And um, you can see all that duct work. Um, You know, how important is that duct work to be all nice and wrapped and insulated? If I start seeing some of that insulation peel off, do I need to be calling you or is that something I can handle on my own? Well, I'd recommend you get it taken care of, whether you do it uh, yourself, if you're capable and feel comfortable doing it, or if you want us to do it. But sealing the ductwork, there's duct seal that needs to be sealed good, and you also need to make sure the insulation's in good shape and sealed airtight. I mean, I'm losing energy by not by it not being sealed up tight. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. It costs more money because if you have that ductwork in different environments, then they can gain or lose capacity in the ductwork. Gotcha. Gotcha. We were talking uh, um, earlier about kind of like a one, two, three step for, you know, just an average, somebody with average knowledge or no knowledge rather of, uh, you know, AC units, you know, what are some good things to check uh, on a regular basis, just to make sure that you're, you know, doing what you can to ensure the life of, you know, the units that you're using. Uh, well, I mean, changing your filters out regularly on a monthly basis is a good, good start for somebody that, and recommend a good one inch pleated filter to put in it. Don't, don't buy the cheap filters. Don't get the cheap. Buy, you told buy. me, you told me this before. Don't get the cheap. But you're telling me I don't necessarily have to spend twenty plus dollars on a filter, right? Yeah, you don't have to you don't have to buy the most expensive filter that's on the shelf there, but don't buy the cheapest one. Just buy a good one inch pleated filter, and you don't need any of the add on features that they have in and, all and, the. And how often should stuff. I change that? It should be changed once a month. Once a month. Man, man, you, you're going to hate me as a customer. When I call you up, you're going to be like, man, you've got to change these out more often. Yeah, uh, we, have guess- couple, we have a lot of those customers, so you won't be the only one. But I recommend if the filters are kept clean and your kit, equipment's clean, it, it works more efficient and it, uh, it'll last longer, too, because you don't have the dirty coils running the pressures up. Here's a question for you. I mentioned I have rental properties. In my leases, I always have the you know things like changing the filters, the responsibility of the tenant. Should I really not do that? Because you know, I, if I leave it up to the tenant, who knows how often they'll change it? And it sounds like what you're telling me is if it's not changed regularly, I could do more harm to the unit itself and end up as the landlord having to change that unit out sooner than full life. Should I be making it a practice as a landlord? Should all landlords make it a practice to go in and change the filters themselves? 
I recommend it or have somebody that, that you trust comparable to change the filters for you, Adam. But I don't think that I'd leave it up to the tenants because, like you said, if they don't do it often enough, then you're taking life out of your equipment. All right. So what you've just told me is I've got to raise the rent on all my units <laughs> by, by a, a 10 to $15 a month to pay for a monthly filter. I recommend it strongly. <laughs> yes. Recommend it strongly. All right. Good news. See, you know, Eric, we it's not just about introducing the business owner to the community. It's about learning something. And I'm sure there's plenty of listeners who are landlords that probably never thought of that. Or or uh, or maybe uh, listeners that are renters that need to uh, get their landlords to come over and do that. Yeah, they're saying, hey, why am I spending money on a filter when my landlord should be doing it? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Is there yeah. anything that people should be doing to make their units more efficient? I recommend having a company come clean clean and service the, their equipment, make sure the, the Freon's correct in all your units to make sure they're working and coals are clean to make sure they work as efficient as they can. Now, aren't the rules around Freon different these days? They've changed over the years, right? It's it's not the same as like back in the, the 70s and 80s when we were all, you know, getting screwed up as kids, you know, because the Freon was leaking in the house. What where, where are the current rules with Freon? Only certain people can get it. You know, there's certain quality. You have, yeah. You have to have a license to purchase Freon. You have to have a license to put Freon in units. So I can't just go down to the local uh, heating and air, uh, you distributor. know, retailer yeah. distributor and buy Freon. They're going to say, sorry, you don't have a license. Yes, sir. Gotcha. You can you cannot buy it. You have to have gotcha. a license to buy. It. They, or they shouldn't sell it to you anyway. It's going to tell you to pack sand, man. There, there's really no way around the free. I mean, that's basically the technology we have today, right? Is using Freon. There, there's nothing that's no new advancements that they're coming up with on a different way to to cool the house. Is there? Well, I, before you answer, Pat, I, I have found that if you just leave the freezer door open for a while, that can yeah. have a tremendous impact. That helps a lot, yeah. Tremendous a lot, impact. As long as you don't care about freezer burn on all your food. Yeah. <laughs> Open the freezer door for once while stick your head in there and cool off a little bit. <laughs> but seriously, there's no technology that you'd say, hey, in the next 20 years, this is what you're going to see. Uh, they're going to they're going to keep changing the Freon to try to get them where they're not a little bit more environmental friendly. But as far as it going away, no, it, there's going to be some form of Freon for for heating for air conditioning anyway. Gotcha. Well, what what about these apartments that have like the little window units? Are are they any different than a full? You know, I've I've never had one of those window units in my entire life, so I don't know how they work. Or I know I see them sticking out of someone's bedroom window. It's the same technology, just a smaller version. Does a, a small just does it's it's using Freon too. Those units are using Freon yeah. too. Yeah, they still use Freon. Gotcha. Well, um, we talked in the in the last episode a little bit about. Um, 
you know, with the whole coronavirus, you know, maybe some type of spray apparatus or something like that to uh, go through the, the, you know, air ducts. And I know a lot of people have been doing kind of their own thing based on their own beliefs. I would hate to think people are kind of pouring bleach or spraying Lysol, you know, in their outside yeah. units and it's going to carry through. But is there anything that, that y'all are doing or the industry's doing um, for air-based treatment for infectious diseases? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's GPSs, global plasma units that they sell now that they're recommending to put in. It helps clean the air up and, and there's also UV lights to help help with that same situation. And there's higher efficiency air cleaners out. So here's a this might be this might be completely off base, and you may say I have no no knowledge on it at all. But it just went through my head. Radon houses in Georgia. They tell me. Uh, come up through the ground with radon. Are you familiar at all with radon? And if that's a real thing, I'm not. I'm not really that familiar with radon. I I see some houses have radon pumps in them to help pump. They've got pumps to pump air out from underneath the house and pump it outside. But I'm not that familiar. You with know, it. you don't we know don't, enough about. It. All right, we don't, we don't with any Eric. Of that. We need we need to get a radon specialist on one of these episodes. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I I don't know where you'd go to. I don't either. Fresh list, you know. <laughs> but a, that's the problem with my brain. I just think of things like this. But if you if you if you flip off my AC here in a couple of days and sit me in the in the attic, get me sweating, I may be able to come up with some good ideas. There you go. <laughs> Your own little sweat lodge. You know, Pat Tracy. I know. You know, here in July. It's kind of a busy time. Um, you know, what percentage of your business is essentially done during the summer compared to the to the winter months? Probably 70% of my work is in the summertime. So there is no summer break? No, there's yeah. just, you don't take off during the summertime in the heat and air industry. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the wrong time to do it. Well, speaking about break and kind of vacations, you know, we discussed earlier, you've got some some uh, some close family affiliates, some some children involved in the business. What's what's it like working with them? We have a good good relationship. My my son works here, and my daughter works here, and my son and I'll work here. And uh, when they show up for work, they uh, they show up for work. They don't they don't play the and my dad owns the company card too much, or, or at least not that I'm aware of anyway. But they show up and go to work and do their job. Um, probably some of my best workers. You know. so, how, how many employees do we have outside of the, the kids? Uh, 20. Wow. Okay. So this is, this is not just a little mom and pop. This is a pretty decent sized small business. I'm assuming since the kids... Uh, work there that that's sort of the uh, the long term when you decide hey I, I want to hang it up the kids will take over yes that's our plan is to uh, leave it with them and keep the company going so well how would you stru- I'm just curious how would you structure that would you basically still own it and they would just pay you um, or would you just say here are the keys uh, enjoy the, the <laughs> gift I just gave you 
Yeah. Here's the keys. Here's the keys. <laughs> Here's the keys. Uh, Lock up when again. you're done. Well, that's interesting yeah. because if I remember right, you said that you bought this business from the original uh, founders. What were their names again? Uh, the original founders of the company was Tom Fuller and Robert Broth. And then shortly after uh, the company started, Robert Broth sold out to a man named Rob Neely. And did you work for them before you bought it, or did you just come in and buy the business from them? I worked for them. I started here in 1987, and I bought it in 2001. All right, so from 87 to 2001, you were working for them, and they obviously didn't have any exit strategy. Their strategy was to sell it, and they said, hey, we got this employee uh, he, he's, uh, top notch. Let's sell it to him. Is that how it went down? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, did, did you, did you have, how did you structure that buyout or were you paying them uh, or did you just do a lump sum and say, here you go. And they, they left or were you doing some kind of recurring payment to them? It was a lump sum all at one time. Okay. So instead of doing the lump sum with your kids, you could do a recurring payment and they could just pay you in your retirement years. See, as a financial planner, where I'm going with this is you need to look at this as your retirement plan and you need an income stream that the kids are going to pay you in your retirement years. Uh, if they can keep the door open long enough, and we'll see about it. So, Van's happy Thanksgiving plan. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm look. I'm Pat. I'm trying to look out for your for your long term financial plan here. Well, it's you know it's it's interesting because the industry is you know we touched on it you know in the first conversation, but Pat, you buying in in 2001, you know you had the 9/11 you know ordeal you know, and some of the dot-com bubble bursting, you had, you know, the 2007, 2008, and then now here the, the coronavirus, Um, you know, but this industry is pretty, you know, stable. Would, would you say? Yeah. I mean, uh, most of this stuff, we, the heat and air industry, everybody still wants, cool air in their house and so it doesn't really it doesn't affect the heating and air industry as much as it does a lot of your other industries but because people still call us wanting to how, get their air conditioning with 20 employees if you lose an employee how hard is it for you to find another employer there are a lot of people out there that you can either train yourself or already have training or or is the industry as a whole lacking enough good qualified heating and air guys it's lacking the whole industry wide is lacking when i talk to other owners and stuff like that well i'll have the same conversation trying to figure out how to get a good employee seems to me with the massive amounts of student loan debt that's going on kids today need to rethink whether or not doing the traditional four-year college, getting a degree is really worthwhile when, when you know, demand for people like you, you know, welders, plumbers, the, those, those type of uh, jobs seems like it's a high demand. And, you know, why, why spend 
75, $100,000 on a college education when you can come out of high school, probably, right? Well, you need just some, some certification classes. How long does it take to get to the point where you could be in your business? It takes about anywhere from a year to two years of technical school. Okay. To, but I don't need a four-year degree, right? I can just go to a trade school. You can yeah. go to a trade school. And that's what we look for is people that's been in trade schools. Is that, is that when you're looking for a new employee, do you go and, and say, hey, who do you have graduating? Yes, we go to a lot of your uh, technical schools and try to, try to get employees there and bring them in. Right, so I only the only technical school I even remotely know about is the one up there in Gwinnett County, Gwinnett Tech. Is there what where what schools are you going to when you're looking for them? Is there ones that are in Georgia that you say, hey, this is the best one? That's who I'm going to. We go to Gwinnett some, and the, there's a Lanier Tech that we go to some in Athens. Athens Tech. Okay, so so to our listeners who are younger, who are thinking about what to do now in this COVID world, go to a near tech or net tech and get yourself a uh, a good, honest trade profession, and then Pat's going to hire you as soon as you uh, graduate. Yeah, there's, there you go. Sounds good. <laughs> I mean, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of demand, and yeah, I think I think kids today everything is seems to be instant gratification and you can get things really quick but when it comes to and van you know this and for me being in banking you know building wealth is it's not an elevator it's more of an escalator and it's over time that you really build it and i think for any profession you know if if you just find something you're passionate about something that you can wake up uh each day and you can go to and, and dedicate your, you know, your time and energy towards, you're going to find success. And yes. what, what I love about this podcast, Dan, is, is we find these entrepreneurs, we find these small business owners who are living that American style dream of owning their own, you know, running their own business, calling their own shots. And like Pat and Tracy, now they're now their own landlords, which... You can you can tell me a year from now if, if you enjoy that better. You, y'all are still new to it, but yeah. you know it's it's there's a lot of value, Van, in what you just presented. You know, instead of just going that that try to you know the the rack up a bunch of debt route. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're we're up against our break. Before we get our commercial break in, and before we play our fun, can you ace it game? I have one more question, Pat. What kind of capital outlay do you have to have for this type of business? Let's say I'm a young twenty-something. I just went to trade school. Uh, you know, is it something that I could start my own business or I'm really going to have to come work for someone like you who's been around for a while? Do I need to do it the pat way where I work for someone for a number of years before I become the actual owner? Or can I actually go out and start my own heating and air business? Is it How much capital would I need to do that? It's not really that much capital that you need to get started in it, uh, but the experience to knowing how to fix air conditioning units and how to operate uh, an air conditioning company, I would strongly recommend working for somebody. So there's a difference between what I learned at the trade school 
and that real world, hey, I just opened up this panel and this is what I see because this is a, you know, a 15 year old unit that uh, we didn't discuss in trade school. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot on hands that you're going to learn out in the field that the school doesn't teach you. They give you a good idea of how to work on the unit, but you're going to run across a lot of new things in the, out in the real world. Well, we got to take a short commercial break. We'll be right back with Can You Ace It? If you recently got divorced, you may be wondering how to pick up all of the financial pieces. Is it time to make a new budget, new goals, and get a new game plan with your investments? What about the best way to save money on your taxes? Take control of your money future. Go to oxygenfinancial.net to schedule a complimentary meeting today. Go to oxygenfinancial.net to get started right now. Securities offered through Kestrin Investment Services, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Kestrin Advisory Services, an affiliate of Kestrin Investment Services. Oxygen is not affiliated with Kestrin. All right, welcome back to Between Two Trains. We come to you on the first and the 15th of every month with great small business entrepreneurs. We're talking with Pat and Tracy from Full Bro Heating and Air, and we're going to play our fun Can You Ace It game brought to you by the Shambly Ace Hardware. What a great small business entrepreneur. Brian and Stacy there at Ace Hardware. When you need some kind of home project needs, just go right over there. You know, Eric, I'll tell you a quick story before we play Can You Ace It, someone posted recently about how they had a problem getting into the trunk of their car and they went to the Ace Hardware and the employee came out to try to help them. And when they couldn't help them, they got Brian to come out and Brian helped them get into the trunk of their car. That's the kind of business owner Brian is at the Chambly Ace Hardware. I just had to tell that story. Anyways. That's service with a smile. That's, That's right. Uh, so let's play Can You Ace It? And let's go with our first question. What is it? All right. Question number one. According to the Energy Information Administration, heating and cooling makes up what percentage of all energy consumption in American homes? Either A, 25%, B, 48%, or C, 77%. Tracy's got it. Tracy's got B. I saw her do it. B it is. 48%. So that's interesting. 48% of all our energy is just coming from heating and cooling our houses. And, you know, it strikes me, you know, because you think about TV, you think about computers, phones, all these things that are plugged up, you know, to the electrical grid. Well, I, you know, I tell you, we're doing this via Zoom because we're still in this COVID world. And, you know, I'm doing this from my home office. I've got uh, internet that's drawing power. I've got my laptop. My son is in the other room. He's got lights on. He's got, you know, his Xbox going. My wife is downstairs watching Netflix. Um, so, yeah, you're right. All that energy consumption. But still, at the end of the day, setting that uh, thermostat and having that AC kick on is driving half of my energy bill. Half, half of it. Half now, of it. Pat, Pat and Tracy. I need to look into that. solar, man. We should install solar <laughs> on our houses. Can we do that? <laughs> That's pretty radical right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> so we're one for now, one. Now I, I do have a question, Pat and Tracy. Last year, I went on a, a, a vacation. My wife's cousin had a cousin get married in Hawaii. So we go out to Hawaii, and this is in August, right? It was very hot in August, 90 plus. 
every day that we were gone. In an effort to be a cheap wide and, and save, you know, bucks, I decide, well, let me just turn the, turn the thermostat off. And I just remember when we got home, the AC had to run for nearly uh, like 10 hours straight just to kind of get back to a normal. So is it, am I saving money? I mean, in the long, what would you recommend if somebody's going on vacation? Do you just set, keep it on or? I, I recommend keeping it on, just turn the temperature up. I mean, if you turn it up to 80 degrees, at least it's keeping the house at some kind of temperature and not getting too far out of hand. What's, yeah. you don't have what's your advice about turning that little switch from just having the AC come on to having the fan run? Should the fan run all the time or does that really not help at all? I mean, if, if you got air purification systems in your house and running the fan all the time is good because it then your air purification system sees more air and helps clean the air up more. Um, and if you have rooms that are hot or cold and won't keep even temperatures in your house, sometimes running the fans will help the temperature in your house stay more constant. But Gotcha. Van, I feel like you asked that question to settle a, a household personal debate. No, I'm not. My <laughs> wife listens to the podcast, so I won't comment on any of that. <laughs> smart man, I'm saying. All right, well, let's slide into question. Let's slide into question number two. Who is credited for inventing air conditioning? Either A. Gottlieb Daimler, B. Alexander Graham Bell, or C. Willis Carrier. Willis Carrier. Since I'm a carrier factory authorized. Ding, ding, ding. So Carrier is one of the largest uh, manufacturers of air conditioning units, correct? Yes. That's, yep, that's correct. And um, it was in 1902. Willis Carrier came up with the air conditioning in 1902. And he was trying to solve, solve an issue of reducing humidity because he was working for a company that published, you know, magazines and, they had an issue with humidity wrinkling some of the print. I tell you, it's and amazing all the stuff that happened right there in the early 1900s, you know, the turn of the century. What what was going on? You got the AC unit that you just mentioned. Obviously, the automobile came along. Air flight came along. All that in that early 1900s. Yeah. I mean, communication, you know, Alexander Graham Bell, you know, the, uh, the telegraph and, you know, the modern phone. Um, all that was really coalescing around the same time. And then from an industrial perspective, you had a huge revolution and a lot of technology being wielded. There was a lot of wealth, you know, that was created. It was a lot of this was American invention. Um, and a lot of historians kind of point to that time period as very critical in, you know, what we know the country to be today and the, the GDP and, whatnot that we have so you're right van very astute all right we got two for two can can we get can pat and tracy go for a full sweep here pat and tracy are heating up let's see if they can strike fire here with this last question (laughs) what percentage of households nationwide are equipped with air conditioning either a 13 percent b 49 percent or c 87 percent 
Gotta be C. Gotta be C. Because women don't like to be hot. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. You are on fire. 87% of households in America have air conditioning is what you're saying. Yep. And I'd be willing to bet there's a higher percentage of Georgia households that have AC. Yeah. Didn't we have uh, one of our previous podcasts? Didn't we talk about how the Fox Theater was uh, had AC before even the White House? You remember that? That was a can you wait. We need to go back. All right. So here's the deal. To those listeners listening, you shoot me an email if you can tell me what podcast we, what episode podcast we talked about the Fox Theater having uh, AC before the White House had AC. I remember that was a question. I I'm do. Gonna give, I'm going to give a special gift to the first listener that can email me, send it to vanpappas at gmail.com. And and tell me what episode. Um, we'll see how many how many episode listens we get from people going back trying to figure out what episode it was. I'm going to look at the analytics, Eric, and it's going to be from like minute. You're going to see a spike. For, yeah, but just from minute like 20 to 26 when we do the Can You Ace game. You're, you're going to see a start <laughs> for the back half of the podcast. The back half of the podcast. We're going to have all these downloads. All right. Well, three for three. Congratulations. You won the Can You Ace It game. And uh, we're pretty much at the end of our episode. So thank you, Pat and Tracy, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. But I want to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners when that AC breaks or when they need service or when they just want to have regular maintenance, how should they reach you? What What's your phone number? You can give us a call at 770-457. One two one one, or you can look us up online at fullbro.com. Nice, nice. All right, Eric, I appreciate you uh, doing another uh, between two trains. What do we have from the banking world? Any any parting words? P- the PPP, it's over. PPP, right? PPP is PPP loan program expired June thirtieth. And so now, now much of the focus and attention is, is steered towards the forgiveness portion. Congress in June had relaxed some of the guidelines. So it's expected and, and hoped that the back half of this will be a little more enjoyable uh, than the front, front end was. And, um, you know, in terms of what, what we're seeing, it, it's, you know, I shared with you earlier, about no, no prediction that I've made so far has aged very well. Um, you know, it's very difficult to predict how things, you know, are going to look 30 days from now because yeah. in the last 90 days, things have changed dramatically, you know, at, at those 30 day intervals. So, you know, we take it day by day and uh, we're cautious, but trying to do what we can to get the American economy and the American engine running again. Pat, you weren't, were you having, you didn't have to lay off any employees during all this? No. That, that's we good. You didn't have to lay, lay off any employees. I'm assuming that means you didn't have to go after any of that PPP money? Uh, I did go after it because of the slowdown in work, but I didn't have to because of laying anybody okay. off. We kept everybody. Okay. Well, that's good because, you know, we, we have run across, I've run across a lot of business owners that were not able to get any of that and so I, I am curious to see what the government does if they do another round 
to try to help all the business owners uh, that weren't able to take advantage of that. Anyways, thanks again, Pat and Tracy, for coming on the show. And we'll be back in two weeks with another great episode of Between Two Trains. Thanks a lot. Thanks.